Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, our partners at BetOnline, they continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find the latest developments, including updated odds in the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So what are you waiting for? Let's get started by going on the website or use your mobile device right now and sign up and use promo code BLEAVEB. EAV to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It's summer. It's been a while. It is time to do a movie pod. It is a 1992 film that is just celebrating an anniversary. I'm going to bring it out in just a second here because it's a little movie that we like to call Far and Away. Starting Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Let's bring in our guest panel here right now. Coming up first, this guy right here. He likes to keep his knuckles up all night. Imagine what his willy can do. I have no wish to fight him, but here he is ready to plunge and scrub. It's Dan Sanders Joyce. What's up, Dan? Oh, man. Hey, thanks for having me. This is going to be super fun. (laughs) And coming up next, he's a returning guest, and he's known around here as Captain Moonlight. He's known for his sinful card playing. And when you go out to dinner with him, he's always going to try and pay the bill with antique spoons. It's Jeff Meacham. What's up, Jeff? How did I know that the handsome dick joke was going to Dan and not me? Like, I knew it was for Dan, not me. Let's do this. Best movie ever. What? He's currently doing this pod with a bowl over his midsection right now. Jeff is right now. Uh, Whether he gives us a peek, I don't know. We'll let let Ron Howard decide. Do you like my hat? Do you like my hat, Shannon? Why can't you say it, Shannon? Why can't you say it, Shannon? I earned it. The Joseph Donnelly boxing 30 for 30 is how he lost all of his money on fucking hats. Uh, let's do it, guys. It's far and away. Uh, let's do a little pre. Uh, let's do a little background here just real quick. This movie came out May 22nd, 1992, directed by Ron Howard. This was a budget of $60 million in 1992 because it was the first movie shot in Panavision 70 millimeter. It only made $59 million in the U.S., 137.8 overseas. It's got Ron Howard as director, John Williams on the score, Cruz Kidman, a movie named originally The Irish Story and one of the few. You know this movie's going to kick some ass when they change the movie title based on an Enya lyric to Far and Away. <laughs> Movies that came out in 1992 in May. Poison Ivy, May 8th. My Cousin Vinny, May 13th. Lethal Weapon 3, May 15th. Basic Instinct, May 20th. Alien 3, the same night as Far and Away. You got a left or a right here. You doing Alien 3 or you doing Far and Away? Also, Encino Man in Theater 8, just down the hall, with one (laughs) screening a day. And then Sister Act the week after, May 28th. So, gentlemen, let's get started here. When we first decided to do Far and Away, it's because there's a certain movie called Top Gun Maverick coming out in a couple of days. So we wanted to just do a quintessential Top Gun, uh, Tom Cruise movie from our youth. And this movie has a lot of mixed reviews. So, Dan, we're going to start with you, and I'm going to quote it like this. Uh, This is Roger Ebert. Now, look, there's a very famous podcast that likes to quote Roger Ebert a lot. I try to find a lot of different movie reviews on this one, but this one is really specific. And, Dan, I think this is going to resonate with you. Roger Ebert said about the movie Far and Away, It is a movie that joins astonishing visual splendor with a story so simple-minded it seems intended for adolescence. It's depressing that such a lavish and expensive production, starring an important actor like Tom Cruise, could be devoted to such a shallow story. 
Dan, you were an adolescent when you saw this movie. Do you agree? And also, who the fuck cares? This movie's great. Uh, listen, I I kind of can't find fault with Ebert's review of this, though. When I was a kid, this movie was fucking sweeping and epic and, like, everything worked for me. And I will say on rewatch, it's not any less sweeping or epic. And it's still beautiful and, one, and like, a wonderful ride and something that I will watch time and time again. But the story the story is pretty lacking i mean we could have a lot more reason to do any <laughs> any of the stuff that we're doing we'll get into the uh we'll get into the positive aspects of the whorehouse uh the whorehouse full of heart in a little bit uh jeff uh weigh in on this one because i kind of agree with roger ebert on this one this movie is kind of for adolescents i saw it as an adolescent i loved it as an adolescent and every time i watch it i kind of go back to that time in my life how do you feel about it what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> Could have there been anything more important than land? Than the search for land coming to America? I mean, it's it's the American dream, this movie. And then all the different scenes from Ireland to the East Coast to the Oklahoma City Territory. This movie is epic. It is grand. And it is about white people taking over America. I mean, I mean, that's the thing is watching it now, like you've got to, you know, there's one shot of some solemn Indians looking on as people race. It's a great the, moment too. Being like, what the fuck? But it's the, the only fuck? time we mention it at all of like, like this isn't free land. We they have do, a lot. Yeah, to they, they breeze over the concept of uh, Joseph Donnelly's like, why is this land free? And everyone's just like, because it is. And it's America, my man. And they yeah. really like going to why that is. I, want, I really would like to have been in the room with the studio and Ron Howard when even that moment, because again, we're talking 92. So that moment when they said, well, we're going to put in some Native Americans right here and have them look over, like if they were like, no, 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 no. Or who was like, yeah, I agree, who wanted more? Because that is a fascinating, quick moment of just being like, there goes our land. There, there, are, goes. Some moment, there are some moments in this movie where uh, somebody has the line, uh, "You're you're if you're not rich in America, you're nobody or something like that. Uh, yep. it's, uh, they're the... Uh, rail layers on the train before he gets off to join the caravan going to Oklahoma. But uh, there's some little nuggets in here where Ron Howard was like, no, 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 no. let's in 92 too, which. Yep. In early, in early nineties movies, they add historical context with one shot. That's like two or three seconds, right? This kind of, kind of reminds me of that league of their own shot when you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. African-American women also played baseball. Too. Oh, when well, she threw the ball. Just, yeah. When they just weren't allowed to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's part of that, I think, that one shot there in that final moment. That's and then, yeah, point. if you go to the beginning, uh, the text that runs in the first shot of the movie is, you know, it's about wealthy landowners and oppression and poverty. And I'm like, sounds fucking familiar. Uh, it's, <laughs> sounds pretty sounds pretty familiar to me. Uh, yeah. Jeff, you mentioned it, so I'm going to throw it back at you. Uh, this is a movie where uh, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise did three movies together. They met on Dave's of Thunder. They got married. And six months later, they made Far and Away. And we all know about Eyes Wide Shut and the third one. But my question for you is, bigger romantic sparks, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, or Tom Cruise and his love of land? Bigger <laughs> sparks in this movie. Who wants it more? 
Well, it's funny. I think, okay, so to go a little, let's let's open it up because in Days of Thunder, I find their sexual uh, energy together to be ridiculous. I think she's abusive in that movie as the doctor. She went <laughs> and she makes love to him the first time she like pushes him into a wall and I think concusses him slightly. And there's no way that Cole Trickle and that doctor stayed together. In this one, I do believe I liked their chemistry in this one. I loved the moment in the house, you know, uh, in the in the winter time right before she gets shot, and uh, and I love the little dying sequence at the end, and that he comes back. So I, I love their energy together, but there is no question that Land is the winner here. I mean, this man's love of Land stretches far and away. Oh, <laughs> I was you see, I was gonna go with wide, but I didn't. So I'm gonna go with Land. Line. Clock it on your bing bo bingo board, listeners. Uh, yeah, Dan, weigh in here. Um, who's hotter in this movie, Nicole Kidman or the prospect of land? I mean, I got to agree with Jeff. Uh, although, I, well, you know, some of the chemistry was good between them. Some of that stuff, though, Nicole Kidman played on him early on the movie, I, making him her boy on the ship and the question, am I beautiful? And then turning around at the end, like... I mean, just the stringing along on this on this broad, you know, uh, but I, I do. I did like the chemistry as well, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to go with Jeff as well and say Land was. The she is amazing at that character. I mean, again, she's one of the best actors out there. And but her she did the same thing in that movie, Australia. I love it when she starts as the, you know, uptight aristocratic and gets broken down she's just phenomenal at that none better than this movie when she's plucking feathers after she was mm -hmm. living in i love her in this and i will say we do we do a lot of these movies and we sometimes kind of knock the screenwriters lack or maybe just complete ignorance towards a female character where i kind of watch this movie and it she does take on that prissy character i don't know i kept watching this movie and felt a lot of parallels to titanic like titanic watched this movie like james cameron watched this movie like 10 times and kind of cherry picked like three or four different like character aspects from this film and nicole kidman unlike kate winslet's character she is uh privileged and spoiled and bradish but even in the very beginning shows a resourcefulness where you kind of right. continue to buy that she survives you know what I mean? That she does make it, that she does, you know, end up making it through. And I will say that I, I'm with you guys on uh, land is probably the love of Joseph Donnelly's life, maybe over Shannon. But Shannon does continuously distract him. And that's a big theme in this movie as well as every time he maybe has a goal, or every time he has a path, um, her love or his love for her unrequited love continues to like sort of get in the way a little bit. Um, before we dive into the movie, let's talk some Tom. Um, I, I just want to do some Tom for a little bit here because I want to just kind of get everyone's take on just why he does this movie. <laughs> I didn't mean to be honest with you. And Jeff, if you want to go first, I'd love to hear it because let's just kind of run down the list here. A funny thing that I found out is Top Gun Maverick is about to come out. Tom Cruise has only done 49 movies throughout mm -hmm. his entire career, which is kind of really interesting if it spans 40 years. I mean, there's so many guys like De Niro in the 80s, 70s, 90s. Tom Cruise has only done 49 films. Dan, you want to hop in real quick? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, that still is a f a, over a film a year. I mean, that's still an incredible rate to churn out to churn out work. That's like, and, and, and just to remind you guys, unlike, you know, with the Liam Neesons and the De Niro's in the world, they took so many small supporting cameo roles. Tom Cruise, I think, has three and the rest are all Tom Cruise in. Yeah. Right. And when he does a supporting role, he gets nominated for an Oscar. Right. Cool. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so he's got that going for him. So I'm just going to kind of read off the list a little bit. You kind of get a vibe a little bit of he does kind of like two movies in one year. 
And so, obviously, in the 80s, you've got the Top Guns, you got Color of Money in 86, you got Rain Man in 88, Cocktail in 88, Born on the Fourth of July, 1989. You kind of feel like maybe he's trending towards that Oscar bait, just like a little bit, trying to do more serious films. But then comes back with, you know, spiritual sequel, Days of Thunder, 1990 <laughs> with Nicole Kidman. Um, 1992, he pops off far and away and good and a few good men. 93, he hits The Firm. 94, Interview with the Vampire. 96, Mission Impossible. 96, McGuire. 99, Eyes Wide Shut. 99, Magnolia. And then in 2000, he does Mission Impossible 2. So, Jeff, just hop in on this. Like, what do you think drew him I, I just uh, obviously interview with the vampire, I think, is maybe the other one in this whole list, right? Of him stepping out of his own box, doing a period piece, accents, uh, maybe more of a grander scope. You know, what do you think kind of attracted to him? Is it the boxer stuff? Is it the physicality? What do you think attracted him to doing Far and Away? Well, so it's funny that you're trying to search and you're naming a few things. So I make the argument on my podcast that this is the ultimate Tom Cruise movie because. Mm. It encompasses all of what Tom Cruise is good at. So what made Tom Cruise to me so special in the 90s is that you had your action stars, right? You had Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude, Seagal, all those guys. You had your dramatic actors from the 70s that kind of moved their way into the 80s with Pacino and De Niro and, and obviously Daniel Day. Uh, and and I, I would even say Bruce Willis sometimes kind of danced this line a little bit too. He, Tom Cruise, went between both. Right. He could do the dramas. He could do the romantic comedies and he could do the action films. Right. This one. And, and he was the little guy. Like no matter what, he still uh, he, he played. I mean, he's literally called the scrapper in this movie. Scrapper. So I think far and away encompassed the rom-com aspect of it. The drama, the sweeping drama, you know, character that he's so good at playing, the big-eyed, you know, for that he started very early, obviously, in Risky Business and, and brought to amazing performances like he did in uh, A Color of Money, you know, the, the young, doughy-eyed guy. And then he had the action stuff, you know? There was a lot of good action with being the boxer in this. So I, even though there are mixed feelings about this movie, I love this movie. Obviously, my my Tom Cruise colored glasses, and I was 13 when this movie came out, so it was perfect. But to me, this is the ultimate Tom Cruise movie. What a great point. Yeah, he's the underdog. He's an idealist. He's a dreamer. Mm -hmm. He's a hard worker. Yep. Um, he's, you know, physical, right? The boxing thing. And then yeah, he's he becomes cocky. He's always so good at playing cocky. And then arrogant. he's the protector. And then he's the protector, right? I think mm -hmm. that's something that we see way, way, way later on in his career. Where then when he gets a little bit older, it's all more about like, you know, Tom, just just trust Tom. He doesn't need to explain it to you. Just trust Tom. Yep. Um, Dan, how do you kind of make sense of like this movie at that time for him? Because I just do feel like it is a bit of a departure of this catalog that we've kind of ripped off. And holy cow, what an amazing decade it is for Cruz. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this this is, remember, this is the very beginning of it and he, i think he had just done a bunch of heavy lifting and things like rain man uh and so born on the fourth of july too is like born on the fourth of july he, yeah he was just was, like put me in a race car let's do days of thunder and put me right, on a horse right right yeah. and so i think that's part of it and i think you know ron howard hadn't totally become ron howard yet but i think he was sort of on his well, like backdraft was right before this and what was what else did Ron? Oh Howard no, I think he had Willow before this too. He was oh, pretty Ron Howardy. Yeah, no, uh, you're, you're right. I mean, he didn't do Apollo 13 yet, but that's his next. If I'm not mistaken, that's his next movie. Uh, if it's not Backdraft, one of the two. Oh, Backdraft maybe. Kind of double. I think yeah, but no, this is the start. What a I, run! 
<laughs> yeah, this is Ron Howard's. This is Ron Howard's moment, and I feel like that that Panavision seventy millimeter aspect of this, I think, kind of yeah. sort of set him apart and made him a big time film director. And of course, we'll get to it a little bit later. But I think the last thirty five minutes of this movie uh, is, is the... stunning. We can talk all we want about shallow story and mixed reviews and this that or whatever, but the last thirty five minutes of this movie is pretty unassailable. The last thirty five minutes, and, and uh, yeah. The... We can talk about that later, but um, I think maybe that had something to do with it too. Like getting to work with Ron Howard, this is the first thing he'd done with Ron Howard, right? Mm -hmm. So getting to work with him, and and I agree with everything that Jeff said. I think that's a really interesting point, uh, Jeff, about how it includes all of the facets of Cruise that Cruise does so well. Um, and yeah, he does. He just does it all in this one, and the daddy issues. I mean, don't forget too the underlying theme of Tom Cruise's entire career is daddy issues, and this none more than i mean they're all you know but this one this is the one where he loved his dad you know compared to rain man where he hated his dad but it's always daddy issues in his movies and wait real quick just for the audience can you kind of go a little bit further like i i don't know the full story but tom cruise did not have a great relationship with his father right his just father the did the old school just i think they were i can't remember he has a sister i can't remember there was another sibling embarrassed that i can't remember that but uh yeah he left when he was young and just left them high and dry and uh, his name is Thomas Cruz Maypother III, I think, is his dad. And he just left them completely. And the mom had no money and they had to move around. And Tom was the, at a very young age, was the leader of the family. And I know he, di he died quite young, too, of, of uh, cancer. So Tom had just had every bit of a daddy issue that you could imagine. And as soon as he had control of becoming Tom Cruise, if you go through the list, it is staggering. How many films have daddy issues? Top Gun is the beginning of it all. Remember, that's his dad. You know, Duke, Duke Mitchell died when he was young. It's either the dad died, the dad left. The Color of Money is a huge one. Cocktail, um, uh, Rain Man, none more than any, uh, than any of those. Born on the Fourth is the only one where he had a decent dad, I think. He speaks of his dad. Remember, his dad's a total douche in Days of Thunder when he tells the story. Whereas he tells that incredible story where he's incredible. <laughs> I just use the word incredible with Days of Thunder. Um, which, by the way, of all Tom Cruise movies, I, none more do people come to me. And if they want a sequel besides a Top Gun, they're always like, where's that Days of Thunder sequel? <laughs> um, he tells a story about what a dick his dad was in that movie. And it's not until, uh, oh, shoot, War of the Worlds that he becomes the dickhead dad himself. And he plays his dad in War of the Worlds. And can I ask a question until the Spielberg movies, because those are intrinsically always baked into broken families of Spielberg. Always. Does, does Tom Cruise have kids in his movies? So the only movie, that's a great question. It is also amazing how many films he does not have kids. It, the only one is Eyes Wide Shut. And you literally never see that little girl, except for at the end when they're taking her shopping and it's so uncomfortable and weird, but he never has kids. I mean, you know, if you, Think of the ultimate performance of Tom Cruise, and we can all argue it. I personally will put it as Jerry Maguire. He is just he gets one at the end. Yeah, you know, yeah, it. you know, like he, that's exactly right, Dan. But no, he never has kids in movies. It's so rare. It is. I can do it real fast. It's Eyes Wide Shut. He has kids. Minority um, Report. Minority Report. But uh, War, World, of War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. And oh, and remember the kid dies again. The kid, the kid yeah. dies in Minority Report. Like that's yeah. the whole thing of that movie war of the worlds and then he does have kids in valkyrie but does valkyrie even count and uh i think that's it oh oh american made american made yes kids that's it like that's crazy he did almost 50 <laughs> films <laughs> you know think i mean think about other actors who we love and how many times they're family men in films you know what i mean like uh, ben stiller has always got kids in his movies or something like whatever i mean that's 
I don't know. It's just mind boggling. Yeah, actually, I don't think Ben Stiller's ever had actual kids in any of his movies either. It's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> Who could, who's a family man? Now I can't think of anybody who's a family man in his movies. <laughs> Are they all Nick, Nick Cage? Because uh, he, he did a movie called Family Man. <laughs> well, I mean, the the, be, the best one is uh, the best one is the Harrison Ford turn. Eventually, mm. his his catchphrase became "Where's my family?" Like yeah. in every movie that he was in, he was just there's the ultimate dad about about his family. Yeah, and then kind of sort of made that turn and sort of never turned back. Thank you. But yeah, That's... no, I just find I just find it like very interesting, especially a lot of the movies have to have cruise qualities, right, Dan? But this one, like specifically kind of just sort of plays it's i guess it I, I felt like at first it plays off type but then eventually it does kind of get into i think the boxer mentality like dan what do you think attracted cruise to this movie the most well, besides working get, with his wife we still get a lot of cruisisms in this i mean like jeff you said he gets he plays the arrogant like prick so well when the first time that he gets suited and he's walking through the streets it's the best Oh man, and then like the way that he fucking he boxes the guys and then stands up for himself, you know, like yeah, I don't box for anyone. Uh I box for myself. You boys don't own me or or whatever he says there. Um and we get like obviously Tom Cruise sprinting. I don't think you could have a movie that Tom Cruise doesn't sprint in. Think uh, about how good the sprint is in this movie. He runs so fast, he runs to the Midwest. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, he <laughs> runs to the Ozarks, which are, you know, like okay. to the Midwest. But yes, yeah. You I know what I'm saying. It's I a couple hundred miles, right? Maybe a hundred. From Boston to the Ozarks? Like we're it's a distance. Out. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're going, we're going quite a ways. Uh yeah. So I mean, we get a lot of cruisisms and just like that scene where he throws her in the bathtub and he's like, say you like my hat. It's the best. Why can't you say it? I sold. I, sold. <laughs> I earned this. How about, <laughs> I know we're going off, off brand here, but how about another great moment when he teaches her to wash? When he teaches oh, her to wash. Oh. You scrub. And what's the two words? Uh, you, scrub, you plunge and you scrub. You plunge and you and scrub. Still in there? Well, you, you got to get it back in there again. Also, can we just say, like, in that moment when he's deciding whether to stake the land for himself or not, and like doesn't want to because it might mean that she won't be there with him, and it takes oh. time. And then finally, Stephen, what's his name, runt charges him on the horse. Like such Tom Cruise moments. Jumps up, jumps up on top of the horse and drags the dude down on the ground. A horse rolls over top of Tom Cruise. That shit's real. <laughs> First of all, we're going to get into winners and losers a little bit later in this pot. Sorry, sorry. Big, God, I lost myself. No, no. Huge losers in this pot are fucking horses. Okay. Now, horses. <laughs> First of all, horses knock out the beams and take out his dad in the beginning. Uh, the horse, right. you know, the horse rolls over Cruz in the end. The first horse that Cruz gets dies uh, the night before he's supposed to head out. Not a great, not a great time for for horses. And no, it's yeah, it's really funny that the the, the driving character moment is this concept that uh, Cruz is so sexually frustrated uh, that he has to fight people. Like yeah. that's a weird, it's a weird machismo kind of like vibe that kind of like dives in there a little bit about how. He has to, the only way that he can get out and stop screaming is if he goes out and just fights people and punches people in the face. Because he can't bang his sister. Because he can't bang his sister. That's really the. <laughs> oh, don't worry. The whores, the whores know better, Jeff. Uh, they, oh, they, they do know better. And I'm your mother. Always the, the whore, voice of the reason. Whorehouse, the whorehouse with a heart of gold. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I wanted, I hit a segment real quick. And Dan, uh, I want you to go first on this one if you'd like. This is a new segment here on the Movie Pod series here on Bet on Chicago. It's called Dan's Dialect Dojo. Um, this is when we enter into the dialect dojo. And our <laughs> sensei, Dan Sanders Joyce, 
breaks down and gives a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh, you have Irish roots, Dan. Uh, you are you are a very wonderful, talented, accredited actor here in the L.A. area. So I want you to kind of just go through a little bit here. Uh, can you break down Tom Cruise's accent, Nicole Kidman's accent? Is it English? Is it Irish? Are we taking it? Are we leaving it? How how should we digest this? And what is your what's your scouting report on these dialects in this movie? I, look, I, you know Jeff's gonna hate that. They're not good. They're not good. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I mean, tell. Tom Cruise's Tom Cruise's Irish accent is just such like a, an amalgamation of uh, like any just, just such a general swath of Irish accent. Like it's just. <laughs> Let me just go up at the end of some lines. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> I, I, I often think there's two type of actors. I'm going to just jump in real fast, Dan. There's the type of actors that we know that can immerse themselves, that are brilliant at what they do, and they become the character. And then the movie stars, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise. Brad Pitt's a bad example because I really think Brad Pitt's a phenomenal actor. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Clooney they uh jeff goldblum they they just throw a little something in there but it's still completely them you know oh. Oh, uh, jeff I, jeff i wanted to ask you be honest with yourself i felt like i broke the map actually into four different categories and i just want you to answer honestly i mean like i'm i i don't know like what is your what is your dialect game um are you like are you cocktail party dialect are you like sketch comedy dialect are you movie dialect or are you Me? theater dialect yeah you oh Oh, my friends make okay. I am terrible with accents. Like, so your co your cocktail party? Are you cocktail? I'm party cocktail. Dialects? I'm I'm okay. cocktail party. Like, I have just a. I truly, if it's not Irish or Southern, right? Like, it's just some people are like, what is that? Just Eastern European? Uh, just to talk in some way around. It doesn't matter. I don't know what it is. It makes no difference. It's sort of uh, Russiany, Polishy. It has nothing. I'm terrible, Adam. Jeff's, Jeff's a cocktail party uh, accent person that gets asked to please stop because we were enjoying a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at this point in society, people are like Meacham. That's it. Just sounds racist. Stop doing what you're doing. It's just not. It's it's inappropriate. And uh, stop saying shrimp on the Barbie. Like that's. It's just. I got nothing. <laughs> I, I'm doing Southern. What do you mean? Uh, is, <laughs> no, it's not coming <laughs> off like that, sir. Not Creole. Am I doing it right? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna ask you off the plane. Um, <laughs> yeah, no the, the the dialect gets a lot of knocking. It's actually um, I looked it up in Ireland every year. Uh, there are certain places, and it started at a particular pub where they get together and celebrate how terrible the accents are by no way a huge party. Yeah, and they play the movie far and away, and I guess it's just this big kind of call and response at the screen. Um, watching everyone try, try and like pull off these accents. Which I, I didn't know that. Is that true? I found it to be fascinating, and honestly, I kind of want to go. I kind of want to go and do. I it. do too. I absolutely want to go. Now, if I'm not mistaken, also, uh, Brad Pitt in The Devil's Own is not any great shakes either of a Irish Ooh, accent. Am I right? Dan, have you Dan, have you seen The Devil's? Ever seen The Devil's Own? That movie. He lives with Harrison Ford. He's an IRA. Uh, he's an IRA like, dude. I, I don't want to call him refugee, but no, he's hiding away and. Don't think it, it's so. Harrison Ford in his run of IRA movies. And, it, yeah, and, right, also, right. and Harrison Ford also protecting his family. Prote oh my God. Every that's time. crazy. Where's my family? Like that's his, this, it's okay, Mr. Ford. Your family isn't here. You're just on set of Indiana Jones six. Do you think um, Sam Jackson ever looks at himself and is like, my only theme is purple. 
Like all the rest of these people have like real deep rooted themes. And Sam Jackson's just like, I like purple. Put it in every movie. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, it's so good. Like that. Um, yeah, so the, the dialects aren't great. Obviously, the plot begins and moves along here. Um, you know, uh, young Irish uh, farmers and families are getting thrown off their lands by, you know, the royal, uh, the royal and oppressive uh, Christie family. The father dies after the horse knocks over a couple of beams. Dan, you know, as a as a narrative mechanism and as device, you know, on a scale of one to ten, do you buy the magic scale? Do you like the magic scale of him dying and coming back? Another maybe interesting kind of nod that's interesting to Cruz of like his father dying and coming back just to tell him one thing and to tell him that, you know, you're okay. Um, and it does obviously factor into the final couple shots of the movie. Uh, do you like that? Do you, do you like the magic scale here of the dying and the coming back? Cause it doesn't really serve any other purpose than to just kind of get us through some uh, stuff. It doesn't serve any other purpose, but I do actually really like the magic scale of it. I mean, I, at some point, we do have to remember that these, especially movies like this, are purely for entertainment's sake. Like, they're, we're not we're not painting really any social commentary with this piece. Like, there's other than I, at in '92 they weren't painting with social commentary. I think if you watch this movie today, there's a lot more to say about what's going on in it, or the lack the uh, the lack of explanation of what's going on in it uh, to to be talked about, but um the magic element makes it a movie for me and and it uh we're we're talking about a story of like dogged persistence and determination and like jeff said sort of the american spirit and uh you know getting knowing what you want going after it and having not just you but the universe conspire to give you what you want and that like that gets brought in with that magic element. I liked it. Yeah, it sells the dream of uh, destiny, right? Um, totally. You know, Jeff, uh, how did you how did you ingest that when you saw it, like as a kid? Because for me, it was almost like you could die, but if like people love you enough or they say the right things, you can come back. Uh, if that makes any sense, I don't know. Yeah, that it's... was like the child conceit that I, I kind of sold myself as a kid. That's funny. I never, I never even thought about it as a kid. It was just way over my head. You know, like I just yeah. thought like, and still even that opening sequence when he dies and comes back, it's to me, it's just like this cute moment. I love that they get scared. Isn't that funny when they're all like, God, dad, you died. You died. You died. Uh, when my grandfather died, uh, we were all at the hospital and we, we turned off the machines and he left and we came back in to say our goodbyes. And I was 13 at the time. And I walked to the foot of his bed and I just sort of like placed my hand on his foot. And this man had been dead for 15 minutes, shot up, sat <gasps> straight up, his eyes opened and he looked dead at me for about three seconds and then went back down, fell back down and was, was dead. And the nurses just said that after you die, there's still like electricity running through your body. And sometimes your body just spasms and comes up. But it was the most terrifying looking thing I'd ever seen before in my life. <laughs> That's insane, Dan. It was. That's did he insane. tell you? Did he tell you to buy land? Yeah, or... that you'll be okay, and that I need to go buy land in Oklahoma. Holy shit, Dan! That's crazy town. That reminds me. Remember in The Rock? Can we do something about the foot? When it's just, <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to do? Kill him again? <laughs> 
that's that's a great that's a great pull that's a great pull right there well and the other part about like the the magic aspect of this movie we can maybe do it a little bit now is can we just talk about john williams i mean everyone on the planet from jaws to jurassic park to star wars i mean this guy i don't even know how to describe this guy he's almost like he's so good at the thing that he does he's the greatest person to ever do the thing that he does if that makes any kind of sense and and for whatever reason this one kind of gets glossed over and and dan if you want to hit it first because you were talking about story and maybe this movie doesn't quite stand up and all this other stuff but it's john williams score right i mean that's what i bought in so heavily in this movie and i think that's what makes this ride so epic and amazing and you know and that's what it just it really sells it for me that's what roger ebert did so well with his review was like He's right. It's a beautiful movie. Like it's it's sweeping. It's epic. It's gorgeous. And the music, all the, I I still got choked up at the end of this. Like uh, you know, it still got me. It did the thing it was supposed to do. I just think that like it resonated more with me as a thirteen year old that didn't have or twelve. You know, I actually I was thinking a little. No, I was probably twelve when I saw this for the first time. Um, but it, that stuff resonated for me because I didn't I didn't think through any of the stuff. It was all just like romantic and 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 you know, I, I, growing up as a let's not to get too political here, but growing up as like a white male middle class kid in America, I was always told, go after your dreams and go get them. And this just like solidified that in my head. And the music is the music is perfect with it. Joey, you brought up something earlier that I thought was great. It's like how this has um, such a, such like an, and I think most of Americana music also has a very Irish influenced, Irish folk influence in it. But there is that sort of um, Irish lilt throughout the sort of refrains that also has this American frontier, Western sort of moving forward manifest destiny um, feel to it as, as well, which I like. Yeah. I also, it attaches and fast real quick it like attaches the immigrant story to the american story and john williams does that and he sells that which is completely which is completely the story of america right or at least this version of america yeah and like enya's heavily influenced also in this movie in different Mm -hmm. ways like sonically and of course the end of the movie and the movie famously was named the irish story and after enya that enya song was attached to the movie in some shape or form which became the end credits they took the lyric far and away and that became the the name of the movie jeff i got a fun one for you yeah remove please top, remove top gun okay oh great is, oh, I like is, this. This, is this the greatest score in a tom cruise movie oh uh pause i can't do i cannot just i i'm not one of those people that likes to answer that without really <laughs> looking and doing my deal due diligence but but so off but, the top, like Rain Man, right? Rain Man. Rain- uh, so the, the here's the thing about the Rain Man music. And the Rain Man music is beautiful. It's incredible. But when you watch Rain Man again, it really doesn't fit. Like them <laughs> driving in that car and that gorgeous score playing right after he just called them the worst names ever. And they're like, it's like interspliced between scenes of him being terrible to his brother and then gorgeous music. So it's really hard for me, but I love the Rain Man music. Uh, I mean, t- uh, the the Mission Impossible score is as dreamy as it gets mm. and amazing as it gets. Um, I've got one for you. The opening sequence of Days of Thunder gets me every time. The music Ooh. is so freaking good. 
but yes, the answer is yes. This music does it for me. This gives me the last of the Mohicans feel. This gives me the Jurassic Park feel. Those are my kind of movies. The sweeping epics are my movies. So I, yes, the answer is yes. And I love Irish music. So yeah. That's a good call in Days of Thunder, the electric guitar when like Robert Duvall is seductively like tracing his hand on the frame of a car. Dead serious, you guys. After this pod, I'll send it to you. Again, the opening sequence, you'll you'll get goosebumps. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> uh let's let's change it. Let's change it up. Let's get over to some side guys here real quick. Um, let's start with this first one because as I brought up in the beginning of the pod, again, I feel a lot of Titanic far and away parallels with a lot of the storytelling. So let's just play a game here. Of Thomas Gibson, Stephen Chase versus Billy Zane's Cal Hockley. Big time. Um, who is a shittier, white, pretentious, uh, rich prick of a boyfriend? Uh, Stephen Chase or Cal Hockley? Uh, who, which one, whatever would you like to go first on this one? Uh, it's not easy. They're both pricks. They both lose in the end. But who is the bigger prick of the bunch, Jeff. Well, let's let's just look at this. First off, let's let's take both of their last moments. Who who has the better life? I always love to think about what happens to people after the credits roll in a movie, and there's no there's no chance. Billy Zane. Oh no, they say it. They do. I'm sorry. At the end, if I'm not mistaken, oh, he, in Titanic, he, 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 he takes kills his himself. life in the de- in the pre- in the depression. He loses all his money. And there's no, yeah, I forgot about that. So never mind. He gets his comeuppance. Does Thomas Gibson, does Stephen Chase have a good life out there afterwards? Does he find himself a lady? Well, he finds himself some land. I mean, like he definitely. That's true. And he's and he's already well off, and he is a handsome fella. So handsome I, as all hell. I mean, I feel like I feel like Stephen Chase has a much better afterlife than than Billy Zane. Also, Stephen Chase by the time the depression hits is either dead at that point of natural old age or so old and so rich that like, who cares about the depression? He's land money at this point. That's right. They're not far away in time periods, right? Cause this is like 1896, right? Oh yeah. 1893. Yeah. 1893. Oh, that's not even, that's, that's not even 20 years. It's 20 years later, right? 20 years later. Yeah. 30 years later. That's nothing. That's this movie came out 30 years ago. Feels which, like yesterday. Which also keep in mind, there's a fun uh, trivia movie fact about this. So the dress. So when Nicole Kidman starts working in the factory and she's picking feathers and Clinton Howard's her her shitty boss and she goes and she looks in the, the frame way and it's this beautiful dress and she looks at it longingly. And it's this moment of it's a it's a role reversal of now she's on the other side pining for the royal and fine things in life. That dress is the same dress that Mary Steenburgen wears in Back to the Future 3, which takes place in 1885. No way! <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's the exact same dress. Of course! The exact same way. And she, you know, obviously she wears it. Um, I love that she's fact. she's trying to impress Christopher Lloyd. And it all matches up because it's in the same time period. It's only How about this years. one? How about this one? Let's make up a complete fictitious scene. Joseph and Shannon have kids together. Their boys turn out to be real travelers, just like mom and dad, where they're like, I want to go see the motherland. They travel back to Ireland, lose all their money. They need to get a job. What do they work on? The Titanic. <laughs> Literally I just made that up. Right I now. did think you were going to say they open up a pub called Cocktails and Dreams, but I, <laughs> I, I almost had it. Oh, that one's a little better. <laughs> And he gives a speech and we're racing on horses. Um, yeah, so I, I guess like the thing with Stephen Chase is uh, Thomas Gibson, Stephen Chase is clearly uh, he burns down their house. Uh, he burns down their house oh, yeah. after the father dies. 
Uh, he challenges Tom Cruise to a duel, so he does have intent to kill, doesn't actually eventually kill, and then, yeah, rolls Tom Cruise over with the horse. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Dan, I think it's got to be Cal Hockley, right? I mean, he threatens her, he intimidates her. He tries to kill her at one point. Uh, he steals. He's a child. coward. He's a super He's coward. A total coward, right? The bigger prick. Oh yeah, Cal Hockley's the bigger prick uh, because I do think that like Cal, Cal Hockley never really loved Winslet, right? Like like Cal, that was that was an, a, a marriage of convenience and arrangement, and I feel like Stephen Chase did, even if it was misguided, love Shannon. I do feel like there was like. He went that provincial. I know what's best for you stuff. Yeah, for sure. In a, in a very misogynistic way, but like an ownership type of way, but, but he did leave Ireland to go rescue her in Boston. Like he, I think the motivations were, were intact, you know, they weren't, they may, they could have had a more um, holistic approach, but you know, (laughs) I love, I love that talking about these movies, the word holistic just came up. Uh, speaking of holistic, I want to talk about another side guy. Uh, he's been on this pod before, guys, so we got to hit it. It's a Robert Prosky side. Robert Prosky, man. And honestly, the question now happens, is this your favorite Prosky performance? Um, I We just keep going back, and I'm going to rip off just what he does. He doesn't really have like this long movie career. He keeps popping up in a lot of things throughout the decades. He does a lot of great TV work in you know the 21st century, early 2000s. But in 92 to 97, in no particular order, he rips off Far and Away, Rudy, Mrs. Doubtfire, Last Action Hero, Miracle on 34th Street, all in about five years. Wow. And I just wrote this down that, like, he plays almost the same character every time. But it's my favorite. It's almost my favorite character. And we're not even to do, like, who would you be cast in this movie? Because I would just want to be Robert Prosky's character of a guy who, the best way that I can explain it is... He's always intrigued by the main character, like he's jovial, and he always just goes like, hey, what's uh, what's your business about? And he kind of hears them out, and then they lay their problems on there, and then he always looks up and goes, ah, fucking been there, but there's always tomorrow. Like, that's basically every single scene that he's in, he always just goes, he has this wisdom to it. Uh, Jeff, man, just hop in on Robert Prosky. This might be my favorite Prosky performance. My wife doesn't know that I'm in the middle of a podcast and she's just right next to me. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> we're talking, we're talking Tom Cruise, honey. Thank um, God she, she didn't come in for the, di- she didn't come in for the dialect part. That would have been <laughs> <laughs> for the Irish dialect part. She loves my Irish dialect. <laughs> uh, how do you think we had kids? Um, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, my, Robert my question Pros- is, yeah. Just, uh, is this your favorite Prosky? Well, here, can we also just point this out, too, about Prosky? Uh, you know, everybody below him is evil and has taken land and has destroyed people's lives and probably part of the reason that the Irish famine happened. But not Daniel Christie. He's just a lovely guy. He and his wife are just good people. But no, everybody below him are just the worst of the worst in Ireland. Like, I love that they just were like, hmm, how do we fix this scenario? I don't know. Just make him awesome. Besides the fact that he's ruined hmm, countless lives in Ireland. And uh, probably, did you guys know about the Irish famine? <laughs> do you know how bad that is? Like, so, like, d- how about this? The Irish famine was so bad. It took up until recently for Ireland's population to recover. That's how many people died in Ireland during the famine. They just starved them to death. It's awful. Side note, you should look it up. It's pretty amazing. I'm uh, Anyway, yeah, love Robert Prosky, best character, go. 
I know. I was just gonna say, like, uh, I love the character that uh, I'm so ridiculously rich, but I am not. I don't have any account of any of the details or the comings yeah. and goings and the daily machinations of my richness. It's just, I'm just, I'm just blindly rich. And yeah, I'm not an alpha male. I'm not an alpha male at all. I'm just, I just stumbled into this unbelievable wealth where I own 18 percent of Ireland. Dan, is this your favorite Prosky? Well, it's an amazing Prosky, that's for sure. I mean, he's just so good at, like, having a guy shoot at him and then be his second in a duel. Like That's a great scene. You know, man, like, I, I, yeah, he's just, he's, there's, he's so convivial. He's so, like, he's so warm in everything that he does. He's so, yeah, I love him. I think Broadcast News might be my favorite rapper Prosky, but, um, Oh wait, no, that's a good movie. That's we don't talk about that on this podcast. We, <laughs> we don't bring them into these. We don't, we don't bring up award winners. It's a little too high up, uh, Dan. Hi, why, don't you, uh... why don't you order off the off the lunch special, please? Uh, <laughs> let's not do. <laughs> We're not ordering steak here today. Um, but I appreciate the sentiment. Oh, and uh, the other fun part is that he represents the. Uh, I, I found out a fun fact, so maybe the audience is learning this for the first time. But uh, during that, uh, the Oklahoma land rush or the land race of 1893, um, that is where the name Sooners comes from. Mm -hmm. Daniel Christie is a Sooner. It is someone who went out illegally overnight. And camped out and staked out so that before the race happened, they could plant their flag and create the land. So when no next time shit. you think of the Oklahoma Sooners, that is basically Daniel Christie's character. Too soon. They're Sooners. Just, they're cheaters. They're, they're the Oklahoma cheaters. That's right. I That's love right. stuff like that. I love it. That's so cool. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. And that's part of like, that's actually the kind of the part of like. I don't know Southern history. I can get behind a lot of the other stuff. Probably not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the meat and bones here, guys. And I'm keeping this easy for you. Um, I'm, I just want to play a game called Winners and Losers here. Um, and I'm gonna rip off the list. You guys want to do winners? You want to do losers first? You guys pick. Uh, let's do losers first. Let's do losers first. Good call. All right, cool. Let's do losers. Uh, and if I forget any gentlemen, feel free to throw them out. But I want to try and see what's like the biggest loser, biggest losers of far and away. All horses. Every every horse, every horse in this movie, um, avenging your family, big loser, didn't really work out. Uh, the guy Bork, who enjoys the strawberry tarts and bets big on him in the boxing game and ends up losing. Uh, Stephen Chase, who we already mentioned, loser, unicycles in an Oklahoma land race. <laughs> Not, good. Not good. Did we think that through? Nope. Big the big front wheel bicycles. No, we what are we doing riding those over rocky and hilly terrain? What you got there, Dan? I'm gonna take this unicycle out here and get myself a plot of land. Give me some land. Uh, a big loser in that one. Uh, the Grim Reaper in general, he goes one for two on the Donnellys. He claims one. The other one gets away in the end. So the Grim Reaper loses in this one. Uh, the Jared Harris brother character. Love Jared Harris. In the very beginning. Kicks the crap out of Tom Cruise. Doesn't right. show up again in the movie. We love Jared Harris in these movies. He was in Last of the Mohicans, but just we need more Jared Harris in our world. Jared Harris from uh, Mad Men, right? Fantastic Jared. actor in a great for, actor. One scene and doesn't show up again. Uh, Cruise's general wish to not fight someone uh, loses. He ends up constantly fighting one. I have he no fights a horse, man. He never <laughs> says the, it, it, he never says that. And the next thing is never not a punch thrown by Tom Cruise. 
Boy, it does feel like horses might be the answer because he says, I don't want to fight. And then goes back to the losers, horses. But you haven't touched on the biggest loser, which is coming up soon here. His wish is never granted. Uh, Cole Meany's meal ticket, uh, just in general. Uh, Tom Cruise was his meal ticket, the scrapper. Um, And once he lost to the Italian boxer, he had to kick him out. He got pissed off. That's a big loser in this one. Uh, Big loser, honestly. Guns, they don't work. They don't kill Nicole Kidman. (laughs) And they don't, they blow up in Tom Cruise's face. They just don't work in this movie. And then finally, honestly, Nora Christie, the mom who wants nothing to do, who's so enraptured by keeping Nicole Kidman in her provincial cage, if you will. Oh, I saw you gallop in the open field. No galloping. Um, the, to the fact that Nicole Kidman's writing letters, Shannon is writing letters to the father, Daniel Christie, and the mother doesn't even know anything about it. And then she gets out there in the middle of nowhere, and she doesn't want any free land. She thinks it's too much work, it's too ridiculous, and she's not ready for the American adventure. Big loser in this movie. I love, uh, I, she, I love doing this podcast. She, she comes around at the end. She comes around at the end. She she hugs him, She's and you see, because Broski has that great line where he goes, we're not finishing our life. We're just starting over. Something like that. It's when we're starting at. We're starting out. We're not ending up. Yeah. Which, by the way, in 1893, that man is at life expectancy. Okay. Like, let's not sure. dick around here. For sure, especially with his cholesterol. What's going on here, Joey? You are missing the one that you wrote in the show notes, which is easily the biggest loser in the whole thing. Mortgaging Wait, your entire future on a bag of spoons. That's hands down the biggest loser. You traveled across the country, the, the 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 pond to the Atlantic Ocean by boat. You are beyond wealthy, and you brought a bag of spoons. That's the biggest loser right there. You're picking me up. You're picking me up where I drop them, uh, Mr. <laughs> McGuire style. And I appreciate you for speaking it. Speaking of dropping them, how about dropping spoons all over the streets of Boston? And that's it. Done. It's over. Mr. McGuire in general is also just a huge loser. Huge loser. Mr. McGuire. McGuire, what McGuire just like from the get is a loser. Mr. McGuire. Mr. McGuire's name, just saying it out loud. God, I love this movie. <laughs> I mean, Dan, I, I think I think Jeff's got a great point. Is there anything other mortgaging your own future on a, no, that's on a bag the, full of spoons? The, I think that's the biggest loser. I think there's some also some other losers. Crossing Mike Kelly, you're going to lose every time. Oh. Right? He'll take everything from you. Uh, Mr. McGuire, I said, going with the safe horse. Always pick the green broken. Always pick the oh. always pick the horse that's got a little while. Or that the, the safe horse will die on you. Indigenous people. <laughs> it just makes me laugh when it's so blanket and it's so awful and that's all you get. i'm just thinking of an awful like a social media graphic of power rankings and uh and it's just on there you know what i mean but it's like third yeah it's, just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so terrible it's just, yeah like, it's, it's so terrible here's another loser chickens chickens, <laughs> chickens. chickens uh i got a winner and a loser combined uh, oh. I got one more. I got one more loser, real quick. Um, the fourth hat that you buy, because after you buy four hats, that's when you know that you're either like a little bit too big for your britches, or you're a little heady, your skis. One yeah. or two hats is cool, but the third or fourth hat, that's when you kind of know mm-hmm. you got to maybe check yourself. Now, listen, as a guy who has worn a lot of hats, bought a lot of hats, I also have had a lot of hats gifted to me because oh. people know that I wear hats. So I would say that like you buying your second hat, that's sort of a, a limit. Three, we gotta stop. But if you've been given some hats on top of that and you own more than four hats, you can still be okay. Okay. You can still, you can still have the, the 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 wherewithal of yourself. Good to know. It looks like Joey's actually taking notes on that right now, even though he's got the best head of hair easily among the three of us here. Uh, 
never buy Dan, what's the uh, what's the what's the combo? Give us the combo. The combo. winner and loser. The combo of winner oh, and loser. Winner of loser. Uh, that moment uh, where Nicole Kidman asks him if she's beautiful, and he says, "I've never seen anything like you in the world before." And then she turns around on him. That's what gets him to start fighting and making money, which ends up leading to her getting shot. Wow, that's good. That's a long. That's a long loser. That's a long play loser. That's a, a short term winner, long term loser. Mm-hmm. I love. I love it. Who? Who? Uh, here's one again. You don't have this in the notes, and I can't help but ask this. And I know you got to get to winners real fast. You can choose only one of the three. What do you choose? Do you choose Ireland? Boston or the Oklahoma Territory. So if the movie, let's say they decided to make in 1890. No, in the movie, within the movie, they make an entire movie. Instead, you can only see Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman star in the Ireland version of themselves, the Boston version or the Oklahoma city. What do you watch an entire movie of Boston, Boston, hands down. I'm going Oklahoma. They're both really exciting. They're both really exciting. I'm going Oklahoma. He can still punch people and horses can still, you know, screw things up for them uh, accordingly. But you know, I, I get it. The action, the nicest whorehouse ever. Just they're just a band, a band of sisters, just getting through it together. Uh, I yeah, I, I don't know. I think Boston, you get just because there's more people, you get more potential for interesting things to happen. I was actually shocked at how long on this rewatch, how long they're in Ireland. There's not much reason to be in. Like we know you got to start there. But get to the point, get over to America. That's when everything really starts to to unfold in this story. But they're in Ireland for the first like I, 35 minutes of this movie. No, they're in there for a while because it's the whole thing where he then has to, like he's walking out of the town and they all think he's going to go assassinate Daniel Christie and they're laughing at him. And then oh, he right. gets there and Such then he tries to shoot him and it doesn't work out. And then he's there for a little while. and like the He's been stabbed by a, by a hoe. Or what is that thing called? <laughs> no, by a pitchfork. A rake. Oh, it's a rake, a pitchfork pitchfork my bad pitchfork right of course <laughs> that's a great moment too uh, underrated thing about this movie comedy a lot of comedy in this movie yeah there's some laugh out loud moments for sure you know like that's funny when she stabs him and he what does he say he says something right there he's like did you stab me did you stop me jesus jesus like a bunch of fucking idiot leprechauns <laughs> I, all right, well, let's start Let's start hitting up the winners a little bit here, and let's see if we can find one. And if I'm missing anything, again, you got to throw it in there for me. Uh, for winner first, Dan threw it in there. Christmas dinners. Uh, winner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> winner, uh, whorehouses. Kind of a cool place. Kind of a cool place to grow up. You can Good find group of ladies. There. They Good unionize quick, ladies. too. They unionize in another five years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had loser as horses. Winner, uh, donkeys. Uh, if you notice, donkeys actually come out pretty good in this movie. Uh, they help out Tom Cruise in Ireland. They do a couple of really great things. Uh, more winners. Sooners uh, by proxy Daniel Prosky, or Bob Prosky, Daniel Christie. Winners land. Winners Italian boxers. Winners the first three hats that you buy. Winners uh, Tom Cruise. Winners plunging and scrubbing. John Williams, Panavision 70 millimeter. Freeland. Cruise's penis. Secret winner. Uh, Clint Howard, as always, uh, the last 35 minutes of this movie, and Enya, big winner. Having your soul leave your body to get the girl, big winner. Big winner, mm-hmm. dying and coming back again. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't say I love you. I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'll yeah, they're you. not having a I'll flatliners moment there. It's not a horrible world. They die happy, and they come back happy. Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> a flatliners moment. That's so. That's so amazing. That. He just like Joe Joseph Donnelly dies and Kiefer Sutherland's on the other side, like on the train. 
uh, or he's like caught in the thorns or something. Like it's just a little boy with a hoodie, and then he just torments um, him. Real quick before you pick one, I just want to throw it out there for Italian boxers. Do you guys know that that actor? <gasps> I'm gonna I'm gonna get his last name wrong. I it's love Carl. It's Carl Ciafolo. Now he was in the movie Out for Justice. He was in oh, the original. He was in the original The Thing. He's the guy in Casino who gets his head put in a fucking vice. No way. He's in the original 1994 Fantastic Four. He's in Con Air for a moment as one of the security guards. He was in multiple seasons of Walker, Texas Ranger. And he's Lou's bodyguard in the movie Fight Club. So when they you go down. You are shitting me. That guy, so the Italian boxer who ends up, you know, popping uh, crews in the kidneys, especially when he gets tossed back over. I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. And if you look him up, yeah, he's the dude in Casino who gets his head put in a vice. And I love stuff like that. Fight Club. I mean, the guy had a fantastic career. We have no idea who he is, but you know what I mean? Like, made some coin, worked in the 90s. You know I know, know I mean? you. Like, he's that guy. I've, I know. Yeah. You, you guys, you know who this guy is? No. He got fucking murdered. Where his headshots on the Dresden? His headshots on the wall of the Dresden? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that's gone into a few car washes. He's up there. He's up there in the uh, the pictures. Dry clean, yeah, dry cleaners. Dry cleaners. He carried his headshots around in the back seat for sure. Gentlemen, let's uh let's declare a winner here. I think like my top ones right now are Cruz, John Williams, and honestly, like the last shot, like that one shot of him holding the flag, the flag. out. Like that is used in so many different promo movies or when they run an Oscar reel of like, this is why we love movies. Like you can say whatever you want and talk shit on the movie far and away. That shot's still in there. Like there is some beautiful, beautiful moments. In the, I, I would say there's minutes. a good solid chance, Joey, that it'll be in like at his golden globe when he wins the lifetime achievement, that'll be the final shot. Like that is the, 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 the shot. Call. This isn't this isn't a Cruz all time shot, but this is one of the most beautiful shots. This this reminded me of some of those opening shots of the last of the Mohicans when Stephen when she tells Stephen Chase to to leave, and it's the two of them, Stephen Chase, and it's sort of this foreground shot where there's this mist coming over the hill. It is one of the most gorgeous fucking shots I have ever seen before in my life. The lighting, the way that the sun is just coming, it is. It is stunning. It is absolutely stunning. I, I, I will truly say we do, we will not get movies like this. There no. is a time from the, which is this. Hollywood I, won't, Hollywood won't take the chance to make stories like this anymore because yeah. they're, they're, I mean, and I think that that will change eventually, but like right now they're only doing IP. They're only doing, you know, things that have franchise capabilities and, well, this is the this is the film that gets lost right now because unless you attach a huge star to it, and even then, besides DiCaprio making movies, we just don't get the mid-level movies like this. What did you say, fifty or sixty? I mean, I guess back then, how that would equal to but over hundred mil. It, it, it didn't make its money back in the U.S. and it was considered this. Uh, I don't know about it. we gonna say flop, but I mean, that's no, not I, a flop I, because it made a lot internationally. Yeah, but. It, it it did faltered. It has these mixed reviews but daniel you're so right like if you just take it on its face it's got a movie of it's got this you know this small town you know just keep it really simple small town story move into big city moment has to become a boxer to make his way in the world and then the end the carrot at the end of this movie is something that's actually historically true and something that did not happen often and it was this one-time thing to get something free and it's a race to get there and you've got shots from ron howard that's like 
when he's boxing the Italian boxer, you know, he's fighting with the crowd, and then he just shows that shot of his foot stepping across the line. And that's when you know that the Italian boxer can pop him in the back of the ribs. We keep talking about him dying and coming back to life, the, the soul leaving his body, and then drifting kind of out of the central frame of where the characters are, but then coming back into that frame. And then, of course, that last 35 minutes, like, there's a lot of really cool fertile ground here on top of a John Williams score that's really interesting and amazing. And you're right. They will not make this movie today. No, nope. just won't and, happen. And if you look at Tom Cruise's career, I'm just looking at the, you know, because I would love to go back and talk more Cruise if you want to. No, let's put a bow on this with, with a little Tom on the way out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, my answer is Enya. I, we all had the CD in the house. I was huge, raised by a single mom. Huge a lot of Enya. We're, Really got hit me in the soul. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a man. I, I'm not. I'm. I can be vulnerable enough to say, Enya, Enya took me places. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There is a chance that all three of us at some point made love with Enya playing in the background. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. like it's. Uh, she was a real hit back then, real hit. Um, y- you know, look at Tom Cruise right now. His mm, since American Made, which by the way, is, there's a solid chance might be his most underrated film. Uh. Mission Impossible, Top Gun Maverick, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible, SpaceX movie, and then uh, still rumored to do another um, uh, Live, Die, Repeat uh, sequel. That's it. It's all IP, just like just like uh, what Dan said. It's all sequels and things people have heard of. We just don't get the movies like this anymore, you know? I mean, I, I, mean, I shouldn't say that, you know, like, what's this new one that Brad Pitt's doing, the train one? I guess we've is that a is there any kind of IP to that? It's a that's a zombie movie or a, like a slasher movie, right? Like no, 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 no. This it's is an assassin. It's, it's an assassin, assassin movie. movie. Um, I mean, it could be called from any sort of. I mean, could be it, from it, something, it, right? It, it is it a subgenre sub of like a pack of assassins, and like it could go to some. I don't know. It could have some sort of graphic novel connection. But you're bringing up a great point about Tom, though, where it's like he he's resisted it for so long but i always think like we have to remember that like he tried to revive the universal when he did the mummy is basically what i'm saying the mummy was supposed to be the dark it was called the what is that called the dark the dark Dark universe dark universe thank you right because it was universal right guys can we take a minute and with the mummy I want to put us in uh, the Jake Johnson's uh, uh, shoes for a minute. The actor Jake Johnson, who's a wonderful actor from New Girl. Just let's just play this scenario out. You've done New Girl. People are loving you. You got this nice little bit part in Jurassic World. Fantastic. You get the phone call. You have booked the mummy opposite Tom Cruise. Your star is going to fucking explode. It's going to be part of the dark universe. Oh, my God. And then the movie comes out and it gets a 17%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's argued to be Tom Cruise's worst movie. Can you imagine being in that, like, being an actor's hard? Like, what a roller coaster. Like, thinking you're just, that's it, man. I did it. He was working out with Cruise every day. I got to get him on the podcast. I was going to say, like, he's having dinners with Tom, right? He's got to be having these dinners with Tom. And Tom's, like, giving him, like, the blueprint of, like, how to have a 20-year career. And he's just being like, don't worry. Like, after this, you'll do this. And then always think about maybe... You know, after that, maybe like throw a curveball and try this kind of movie. And Jake's just like, okay, cool. Okay. Uh, yep. Cool. A uh, super nice guy, by the way. Went to my high school. Uh, very, Jake Johnson? Very, yeah, very nice man. Be cool if it was Tom Cruise. How old are you? Um, <laughs> yeah, man. You could break Tom Cruise's career up into a few categories if you wanted to. But the the macro one that people, that I've someone had mentioned to me that I really like is, is Mission Impossible 2, meaning. You've got Tom Cruise in the 80s and 90s. That's one Tom Cruise. And then as soon as Mission Impossible 2 comes out, it is another Tom Cruise. It is action hero, 
complete, you know, because the first Mission Impossible is, you know, he's not really an action star in that. Yes, he is, but that is yeah, nothing he compared. The, he does the thing, and yeah. That's it. That's the big sequence is that. Besides that, it's still green screens and all that kind of stuff. But Mission Impossible 2 that becomes a new Tom Cruise. So you get the 90s. He is the biggest star. Did you guys know that A Few Good Men, The Firm, Interview, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, all made $100 million? And back then, that's a big, big deal. And he was the, like, no one had ever done anything close to that before. Like, that run is, will never, ever be topped again. And they're all originals. You know, I mean, I mean, Mission, oh, that's not true. Mission Impossible is, but they're not, there's no sequels. Like, that's incredible what he did. So, what I don't know. Jump is in, Joey, it, is it fair to IP, say though. some of that was IP though? Go a few good men is IP. Uh, Interview the vampire is a book. That's IP. That's internet. That's you guys IP. are right. You're totally right. I'm totally wrong. The firm is like probably one of the best selling books Gresham. ever. Never mind. I'm wrong. Here's, here's my here's my question for you guys: Is far and away maybe that first moment where is it the first taste, Jeff, of that that subgenre of Tom Cruise being? Uh, the Superman, the physicality of it, because Top, oh, because yeah. Top Gun, Top Gun, and Days of Thunder, right? He has a skill, right? It's a skill. Yeah. But this is the first time I feel like we get that physicality, and he's shorter than everybody else. Yep. Everyone else is bigger, stronger than him, and he vanquishes them at every single turn. And then a horse tries to roll over him, and it still doesn't kill Tom Cruise. So is this the first taste of maybe? future cruise i think so that I, we know now i i really think so because yeah even though he probably did drive all those cars in days of thunder it still didn't look as risky in that kind of way there was something there was some risky business <laughs> i can't stop and um <laughs> in this movie that that did kind of lay the seed for what we got in mission impossible but again there's none of that in jerry Maguire and eyes wide and magnolia but come mission impossible 2 which is a ridiculous movie you know, after that, you get some real, uh, you know, no, that's not even true. <laughs> it's not a lot, until a lot, of great, a lot of great running in the firm, though. Great running. God, there's some great running in the firm. <laughs> I, who would ever think that? Who would ever think a movie about a lawyer's got two or three great running sequences in it? Right. When he jumps out the window, when he's chasing his wife. Mm. Yeah. Dan, I got to ask you, do you obviously I mean, you must enjoy the current form of cruise but do you kind of miss some of these 90s do you miss cruise playing a lawyer do you well, miss you know, you know what i miss what i miss is the ability to tell stories like we got in those in those movies it, yes. I, 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 so yes i miss cruise being those characters but i also miss those stories more than i think i miss anything else like right now listen i think there are still some great movies coming out everything everywhere all at once was fantastic like there there are some good pieces of art that are coming out not even good pieces of art but great like movies for movie sake um but a lot of it is a lot of it is garbage these days you know that and and just because they're only shooting for the the money in the breadbasket they're shooting for the people in Oklahoma, those Sooners to go to the to go to the to the movies and watch, you know, watch the movies. Well, and maybe and, and Jeff, maybe it's a feather in the cap for Cruz that I, I make this joke with my wife all the time, and I lo I love these movies, but I'm just like, she'll be like, hey, do you want to watch this thing? And I'll be like, is it People with Powers? Because if it's People <laughs> with Powers, uh, I need a break. I need a break with people that have powers, and maybe it's the feather in the cap of Tom, who's really. Of course, he's committed to it because he's insane, but maybe he's committed to it as a zag of 
The only thing that I can do is still practical is I can be the guy who runs, jumps, flies the planes, you know what I mean? And does all that stuff. Yeah, no, that was the selling point of Mission Impossible Fallout. Don't forget that movie came out right between the two, uh, um, the, the, the end games, um, the Avengers, the final two Avengers films. So you get the, the end games, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> with Infinity War and Endgame. And that's how they promoted that entire movie is this movie was all real. Everything in this movie is Tom Cruise. Remember I, that when was the last time a preview had a like story, like a, 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 it looked like it was like the B roll or the second uh, disc in a DVD was almost all the promotion for fallout of just saying everything he's doing is real. And, uh, and there's no green screens. They literally said that in one of the preview, there's no green screens in this movie. So yeah, he absolutely now prides himself on that. And would we all be surprised if he dies doing this? I mean, guys, he's going to space. Like he, he's 60 years old and he's going to go to space. I'm going to say it again. He's going to space and shooting a movie up there. Like it's, he's lost his mind. Sounds like interview with the vampire too. In space. <laughs> in space. <laughs> Christian Slater's like floating and he's like, ah, tell me more. <laughs> Not this particular time. Um, uh, we got to get out of here. Dan, uh, just, you know, final thoughts on the 1992 movie Far and Away. Um, you know, you watched it recently. When you think about it, back on it now um, and just talking about it now, what are your what are your general thoughts? Uh, listen, still a great movie. And I think you're right. Both of you said it earlier that it sort of transports you back to when you first saw it. And it is a it, I, it is a story for young adolescent boys. I think it's a movie for young adolescent boys. Uh, if you were fortunate enough to have seen it when you were a young adolescent boy, it probably still kicks ass for you today. Um, if not, and you're seeing it for the first time today, you may see some problems with the movie. Um, but keep them to yourself because I love it. You can also uh, call 1 800 uh, Dialect Dojo, D O G O, right now to schedule your classes with Dan for his next workshop. Uh, <laughs> be far and away what not to do, uh, I think is the upcoming July intensive. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Jeff, man, um, final thoughts on Far and Away, but first, uh, for the audience, we're taping this on a Wednesday. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not blowing up your spot, Dan. Maybe you're going to join us, but we're going to go see Top Gun Maverick uh, with a group of us on Friday. You've already seen it. You've been to the premiere, Jeff. So here's what I want. You cannot use any uh, actual words. You can only just use phonetic sounds <laughs> of how is Top Gun Maverick. Uh, only using sounds and expressions and whatever. What I did. What do you think? Did you like it? I cried three times before the movie even started. Is that what you need to know? Because that, that's what I can give you without giving anything away, and I'm not making that up. I cried three times before the movie started. I have, I have a text message to back this up on the day because uh, I texted <laughs> you while you were there, and it was before the movie started, and I, I believe you said, in fact, let me just bring it up real fast. So, uh, <laughs> uh, while, you're, uh, while you're pulling it up real quick, um, uh, just for the audience's sake, uh, did, were you in eyesight of Tom? Were you in the same room as him? Did you – how far – what was the distance? 50 feet? Yeah, I, I would say I would say 50 feet, but I'm not really good at measuring things. Uh, <laughs> um, I, um, <laughs> I was there. It's the first time in my life I physically saw him with my own eyes, the actual Tom Cruise. So it's a start. Um, it was really amazing, again, to be in a room where the best of the best are there. God, I'm just nonstop today. And Tom Cruise 
took it all. Like he just, it was him. It was all about him. And he was not a, there was nothing conceited about it. He just spoke eloquently, kind, everybody he brought up on stage. He just, you know, it's like you're in an audience with John Hamm and John Hamm is just another guy in the audience. It is Tom Cruise up on stage. Jennifer Connelly, who has been somebody who we've loved our whole lives is just back. She's two behind me. I'm like, that's cool. There's Tom Cruise. So it was everything. It was everything. That movie is everything you want it to be. Everything. Dan, got the text? Yeah, I just, it says, uh, uh, he posted something. I said, God damn it, I love you so much. And then he said, uh, I cried three times. The movie hasn't started. (laughs) (laughs) It's 100% true, man. There was this moment like when, uh, man, I could just go on forever. But there was this moment when I was sitting there and there were a few officers in front of me what are they they're in the navy i don't know and i hear one of them introduce somebody to somebody and he goes yeah this is so and so he is the senior most pilot in all of the navy he's the best he took this great pause and he just goes he's the best and i was like oh my god two seats in front of me is the best pilot in the world or in the american navy I probably was wondering who the best is well Well, (laughs) you go up there on that plaque It's true, man. It's just, it's everything you want it to be, you guys. I can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm so excited. Joey and I are going. Are you coming, Dan? I mean, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> we'll see. You okay? You okay? You breaking up? No, I think I've got this long COVID thing. That just, to, uh, just to protect you. Uh, yeah, protect you. At a, we're seeing it at an undisclosed time, at an undisclosed place uh, in the near future. Uh, which really could be at any time, but Dan, you gotta, you gotta just call. You gotta play a little hooky. You gotta just come, buddy. You gotta just come, uh, guys. We gotta get out of here, uh, gentlemen. This was the Movie Pod uh, series right here on Bad on Chicago, the 1992 movie Far and Away. We talked a lot of Tom. We talked a lot of Far and Away. It's such a pleasure, guys. Today's episode was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and use promo code Believe B L E A V. And also, I have a sponsorship going on right now with Baseball Lifestyle One on One. If you go to bl101.com right now and type in promo code Joey Sports Guy, you get 10% off all their awesome summer apparel. Uh, really cool company, a startup that happened a couple years ago. They're kicking ass, they're taking names, and I'm so happy to be able to work with them to hopefully sell some merch too as well. Maybe they're sending me some free merch too as well. I'm, we'll see what that happens there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our panel today, Jeff Meacham. Jeff, great to see you, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking, Tom. And Dan Sanders-Joyce. My man on the panel, thank you for plunging and scrubbing with us, dude. Thank you so much for coming back on. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for having me. This was the Bet on Chicago podcast with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for checking it out. Please like and subscribe and share. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Please, 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 of any time, please be good to each other, for crying out loud. And also, uh, remember when in doubt, always Bet on Chicago. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.